your place, Carl? Yeah, what do you think? It's really, it's really awful. Do it to it, brother. Welcome to the Lutheran Stuff No Drama, No Drama Podcast. My name is Pastor Hoffman, and with me is Zach Lesher. Say hello, Zach. Hey, hey everyone. Well, it's good to be here. It's another Sunday. Uh, personally, we just had a voters meeting today, so if you like church polity and stuff, today was your day to be at Christ Lutheran. And um, uh, So that was good. I'm glad to see that we have a congregation that's thinking hard about uh, the work of Christ Lutheran in word and sacrament, as well as um, loving our neighbors and our community, so we'll see what comes of it. We had a great service as well. Um, I actually covered for a fellow elder, but he said just sacrament, because uh, one of our pastors is out of town, but no, I was supposed to be elder on duty, so that threw up some confusion at the beginning, and some funny stuff happening during service that, you know, I had to light the candles because we don't have an acolyte during the summer. I had to light the candles uh, between the hymn where the where our pastor goes up to uh, preach the sermon. He, he kind of motioned at me, hey, we never lit the candles. So, and we got to designate better because sometimes the um, ushers do it in the summer or the elder does it. But uh, we had to have those puppies lit because the sacrament was there, so... No acolytes in the summer? Not in the summer, because our, our school is small sometimes, so it just depends on the amount of kids we have. Okay. Well, I am thankful. Christ Lutheran is here blessed with uh, wonderful acolytes. My boys were scheduled for the month of August, but uh, we were out of town, and so one of my other confirmands filled in, and she did a great job. So I actually showed up a little bit late. I was supposed to be out of town on today, um, and I was out of town this morning, but um, we had a voters meeting, so I, my son and I left Salem about 7 and got here about 10.30, got unpacked, got changed, went over and finished out the rest of the church, and so it's kind of fun to sit with your kid when you're a pastor, and you get to sit with your kid during church. That's another thing we do in, in, in summers. We have two pastors, so sometimes they'll alternate weeks preaching so the other can sit with their family. Uh, or not preaching, but doing the whole service. Because whoever is uh, preaching, the other will do the liturgy, you know. So, But uh, in the summer when we have less attendance, you know, one person will run the whole show and the other one gets the opportunity to sit with their family, which is nice. Well, it's real nice. So, we have, speaking of real nice, we have uh, one of my favorite chapters in Romans. We are in Romans chapter 15. Now, this is kind of a long one, and I'm going to read it. Uh, if you're following along with the Lutheran Study Bible, that's good, because you'll see how it's broken down. But what Zach and I are going to do, this, this is broken into four distinct parts, and so we're going to read through the whole thing 
And then verse by the the grouping, verse by verse, we're going to talk about it. So we're going to read the whole thing, but if you miss something, don't worry. We're coming back to it. So I will get us started here on Romans 15.1. Um, it begins, St. Paul writes, We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, The reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you the, uh, to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Um, for I tell you that in that Christ became servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs and in uh, order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy as it is written. Therefore, I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again, it is said, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples extol him. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will come. Even he who arises to rule the Gentiles, in him will the Gentiles hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. But on some points I have written to you very boldly by way of reminder, because of the grace given me by God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. In Christ Jesus, then, I have reason to be proud of my work for God. For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by, the, by word and deed, uh, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and all the way around to Elycrium, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ, and thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. This is the reason why I have so often been hindered from coming to you. But now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, and since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain, and to be helped on my journey where you once 
I have enjoyed your company for a while. At present, however, I am going to Jerusalem bringing aid to the saints. For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. They were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings, they ought also to be of service to them in material blessings. When therefore I have completed this, and have delivered to them what has been collected, I will leave for Spain by way of you. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessings of Christ. I appeal to you, brothers, by the Lord Jesus Christ, and by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf, that I may be delivered from unbelievers in Judea, and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints, so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. May the peace of God be with you, all of you. Amen. Amen. It is... Okay, I, I'm really... I'm all over this, man. <laughs> I'm telling you. When, when he comes out here and... In the first section, verses 1 through 7, we see that he starts right off. And, of course, following up on verse 14, you know, when we're dealing with the people who couldn't eat foods on certain days and things like that. He begins off reminding us, We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. So we're still, we're still seeing that... Um, that linger from the previous section and Paul crosses it over to say you know what you have to remember that what we do is we bear with people's failings we don't just smash them yeah like we've, we've made a rule here before and this is the rule of context context and context you always want to go back and forward and see what the context of the text is so that's spot on Paul going right from Romans 14, continuing into 15 with what he was talking about there. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and because, again, what's he going to do? He's going to segue it. He's going to say, well, here we have, uh, here we have, uh, he's going to talk about his ministry of the Gentiles. And as, again, about pleasing, um, doing stuff that only pleases me. Well, I got to, you know, we've heard this. I mean, I grew up in the 70s and 80s, okay? You know what? Nobody else can be happy until I make myself happy first. And this idea of it is basically saying, no, don't look to yourself for this. You know that you have other people who need this kind of compassion, yeah, our self is kind of the problem. We're narcissists, so the whole point is ignore yourself, serve your neighbor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Narcissism. Um, yeah, well, narcissism is a huge problem with the old Adam, isn't it? I think totally. Old Adam is having a love affair with the old Adam that, you, that makes Romeo and Juliet just sort of look like a couple of old folks sitting on a on a park bench feeding pigeons. 
He's like, look at me, look at me, look at me. <laughs> and I'm like, why won't you die already? Didn't you? Weren't you baptized? Weren't you drowned? Yeah. Remember, Luther said the old Adam's a good swimmer. Yeah. He sure is, man. <laughs> well, that jerk know. is always lurking around somewhere. I'm like, will you just go away? Isn't it kind of interesting, though, in St. Paul here, he's kind of praying for strength for us to be to deal with being stronger than our weaker brothers now that's kind of important to say you know what it takes strength to overpower someone but it takes strength to know that you are that that it shows it takes a different kind of strength to put somebody else first even though you're faster bigger stronger whatever it takes its own kind of strength to be merciful. You should see the looks that I get from the world. You know, here, you know, I could be, I could probably get a football contract, you know. <laughs> uh, and, I, yeah, you know, these world record numbers for a big guy. And, and like you're saying, when, when they see hospitality and kindness, and it's always for the gospel's sake, um, you know, they're just taken off guard. You know, well, that's not what they're expecting. They're expecting big, strong man, big, strong man, go do what he wants to do. Uh, you know what I mean? I remember a couple of weeks ago, you told me and it, it wasn't, it was kind of the bodybuilder kind of guys. They tended to be more um, kind of uh, self absorbed, like the ones oh, that try to sculpt yeah, themselves and everything. And I can see that, you know, because first of all, you gotta when you commit to something no matter what it is you gotta commit to it i mean if you're gonna it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be bodybuilding strength building it could be anything and when you when you commit to it um there's a few routes you can go on like for the guys that you were maybe mentioning a few weeks ago it was like you know what i look hot but i'm gonna look even hotter or kind of thing or i and then, but then there's the guys that say, "How come you spend all this time uh, building these these shelters for people who have no place to live, and they're just amazing at it?" Well, I do it because it's my skill to build, and I don't want people to be homeless. Well, they're committed to it also, but they're they're committed to it for reasons other than pleasuring themselves. Um, then. You know, other than going, look, you can now see that I have a 12-pack ab, or whatever. Yeah, well, and that's just it. You know, one is a hobby. And like you said, the whole building shelters, that's my actual vocation. So I, <laughs> I get a lot of the church work, you know what I mean? That when somebody needs something, I'll go out handrails, whatever, for the elderly. So, I mean, yeah, and this is, is what we're talking here from verse 1 to 7 is just... Christian charity, hospitality, and regard for your neighbor's conscience. And again, verse 7 kind of punches it because you have to ask yourself a hard question. St. Paul says, Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. And the question is, Hmm, how did Christ welcome us? <laughs> <laughs> because if you think about it, they're going, Hey, look at Jesus. Look who he sits with. Yeah, can you believe it? <laughs> and he's over there going, "I that ain't hurting me none. So, there's, you know, there's this idea of that saying, you know, 
what he did, and this is an important thing, and I would like for young people to hear this. Jesus was welcoming to 100% of people because Jesus had the exact same message for all of them. Repent for the kingdom of God is coming. I am your salvation, right? That is the difference between saying, oh, we welcome everybody because everything's okay versus, oh, we welcome everybody because we want them to know the love and the hope and the salvation in Jesus Christ. That's, that's spot on. We're, you know, the church is the same way. Come as you are and let Christ conform you. But that doesn't mean come as you are and stay as you are. There's many things in all of us that need purging, repenting, pastoral care, uh, because life is messy with sin. You know, so come as you are, but let God... See, the, these cults that you're kind of talking about, they say come as you are, stay as you are. We're like, come as you are, let Christ conform you to his image. Yeah. And you know what? I will always fight to my last dying breath that that is far more loving. Oh, absolutely. It's not loving for me to, to lie you to hell, you know. Yeah. You're, fi you're fine, you know, you, you cut, you, your arm falls off in an accident, and I'm like, tis but a scratch, right? <laughs> <laughs> nice Monty Python cross Yeah. But, you know, truthfully, loving somebody, like, if, if anybody out there is listening to this and you're married, that's loving somebody. You don't love them because, like, when you're first dating, and both of you are going to great ends to prove to that other person that you're somebody that you're not. But we're talking when you get married, the gloves come off, um, you figure out that this fallen, broken sinner is the person that you're married to, and they're figuring out the same thing, and you stay together, and you figure out how to make it work, even though he's weird and she's weird, and you find ways of, of saying, you know what, I love you, weird person. You know, that's love, and it's tough love. And it's so much easier than just going, well, you know, um, everything's fine. Yeah, I know that, that, you know, just pretending that there's no differences. And, um, you know, the true, true love means that you have that you that you struggle and you deal with the struggles in a Christ like fashion. Spot on. Yeah. True love is sacrificial. It's not self uh, indulging. It's sacrifice. And. Uh, I actually have a line for people who say they're not selfish. I'm like, really? Go get married and you'll see exactly how selfish you really are. <laughs> because the second she, she says, I want this, and you're like, no, I want this, and you're hitting heads on everything, yeah. you got two sinners in a room and you're realizing real quick, wow, I'm, I'm a pretty selfish, narcissistic person. Uh, well, I think this is why God... God gave me a wife. I guarantee it. And I feel sorry that for some reason, you know, people are asking at our wedding day, who is it that sinned, Christy or her parents? <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? She is exactly what I need, and I'm exactly what she needs. And we have this weird marriage that's wonderful, and it's a huge blessing, and I'm so thankful for it. But it's not because we're the same person. It's because that in spite of being very different people, 
we are the same sinner with the same salvation. And so that's what bonds our marriage together, not the fact that we are the same person. Yeah, I think the other day my morning started with an apology to my wife because I'm not really a morning guy. So well, hey, I tried I... to talk that much in the morning and then it was, uh, yes, I'm sorry I was a jerk. And then she goes, yeah, I'm sorry you were a jerk too or something like that but she was actually apologizing for herself because I couldn't even uh, I didn't even recognize hers through mine I yeah. guess so I said well that's good at least we're both realizing that we we were wrong here so well let's just let's just forgive and move forward right so but I mean that's the life of the Christian is at least you're not afraid to say I'm sorry when you're when Adam takes the wheel uh, first thesis of the 95 thesis when our Lord said agiate penitate, he meant that ours would be a life of repentance. <laughs> and get married and you'll find out Luther, oh dude, you are so spot on. <laughs> but no, truly, that is, and that's what St. Paul, before I rabbit trail us too much, is is talking about here, we have this this sense of of understand what Christ did for these people's you don't have to be God to show them mercy. You do have to have you do have to have the Holy Spirit and trust in him to show them this Christ-like mercy. But you don't have to be Jesus himself. He sent you the paraclete that you would trust in him for this. So, you know, that's that's really kind of what the first section is. Um Next... One more thing to point out before we jump forward is is all the God is doing, you know. Uh, oh yeah, God. Yeah, all the. If you go back and you read this, guys, uh, notice that God is doing the work here. Paul is talking about God will do this, 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 this. So, just stay in the face, stay in word and sacrament, and it'll flow through you. Grace leaks. Yep. Uh, again. Um, yeah. Spot on. Um, the second section is really important, and and I'm gonna say it's scandalous. Um, because from verse 8 through 13 is when St. Paul says Christ is the hope of the Jews and the Gentiles. Now, why do you think that would be a problem to say something like that? <laughs> I think we're going to have to take a minute and talk about Jews and Gentiles here. <laughs> <laughs> well, come on. I mean, uh, they, they are certainly... Uh, God God walked with them, but God also punished the heck out of them. But there was um, He revealed Himself to them, and uh, and and you know by this time it was pretty well thought that that the true God was only the God of the Jewish people. And so, yeah, and also the Jews, they have the law and their traditions and everything that they're doing. You know, they're, they're following the ceremonial law and the uh, moral law. So they think they're following moral law, the yeah. Pharisees thought. But, I mean, they, they have all the traditions, so they're not eating, you know, pork. They're wearing two different threads. They're doing all these things. And then the Gentiles just get, get to come in freely and they're not really charged to do these things. Now imagine being a, a pious Jew, and this is the way, like, like you teach your kids the faith. This is the way that they're being brought up, you know. And it's like, now these guys just to get get to come in, and and, and they don't have to do 
this, 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 and this. They don't have to be circumcised. <laughs> oh, the scandal of it all, right? Oh, oh yeah, you're, 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 they're having a good day, but, um, you know, I mean, they're hearing this, uh, you know, because the Jews, first of all, for the ones that, to be honest, knew the Gentiles that knew the Jewish people would have probably thought of them as being kind of elitist. So they've already got a weird thought about them in their mind. But the um, the the ones that did know them, they're going to be going, really? This God, this God is for us. Yes. You sure? Yes. And it's, they're hearing, well, they're hearing that there's hope for them. And that's the most, woohoo! You know, because the truth of the matter is, is um, the proclamation that God, if we believe he's the creator of all things, and we do, then he's the creator of all people. Well, all these are his people. So anyway, so St. Paul is telling them, by the way, this, this God is for everybody including the gentiles and he says and he does it even worse he quotes the old testament um when he says uh what was the one it was like isaiah the root of jesse will come even he who arises to rule the gentiles in him will the gentiles hope they're like oh dang i forgot (laughs) i forgot it said that (laughs) you know i mean so he's telling them look God is not doing a new thing here. This isn't the United Church of Christ. God has always been straightforward that he is the only show in town. And this is going to be spread. And these, and with the, the Jewish people, guess what, you guys? You're going to be a vocal piece for me. And guess what? That's going to be for everybody. And... And I'm not going to be too harsh on him because even sometimes churches get a little bit internally focused kind of thing too, and it happens. But um, it's to say that you know don't ever you don't you don't want to proclaim a God who isn't for everybody. Yeah, and one thing I want to point out is notice how much throughout Romans Paul quotes the Old Testament to prove his point that he's making. So, I mean, we have it here in chapter 15, but I think maybe we missed it a few other times in Romans. But Paul is always quoting the scriptures. So you run into these arguments that, well, you know, in, in the New Testament, they didn't have the scriptures. No, they, they proved Jesus from the Old Testament, like Paul's doing here to the Romans, while the New Testament's being written. God's people were never without his word. Yeah, absolutely. And it's really important to know that because... It, we don't believe that there's this time when when God was going, nope, nothing. You know, it's it's just not true. I mean, that's something that's held by cults and not by Christians. So uh, Yeah, well, in fact, if you take that position, you would actually have to deny the inerrancy of Scripture because God's made the promise in Genesis never to leave his people, right? So Oh, oh right. So he's a liar if you... If you're thinking, well, they didn't have the New Testament. They didn't need the New Testament because God's Old Testament wasn't a problem. That's right. And Paul says to Timothy, right? Guard the sacred scriptures with which you were acquainted with from childhood. Yep. 
What would those be now? <laughs> hmm. <laughs> they weren't on golden Jesus, plates. Jesus in the synagogue saying, today this is fulfilled in your hearing when he's quoting Isaiah, right? Yeah. This prophecy is fulfilled in your hearing. Well, so, yep, they had the scriptures, guys. It's and, and it's important to study the Old Testament so that we can prove Christ from the Old Testament and we're not caught off guard by anybody. It's true. I mean, they, for, for the people who grew up on the scriptures and Paul himself, sometimes they were, you know, Paul was looking at the scriptures in the totally wrong way, which is proof that you don't just pick up the Bible and it self-reveals everything, but there is a proper way to read the scriptures. He goes back into Arabia, spends those years studying and goes, wow, I totally was missing this. And because you know what? The truth of the matter is, is he found that he wasn't even looking for a Messiah. He was looking just for the rules instead yep. of looking for the ruler. Spot on. Yep, definitely. If you're, That's why you see so many atheists say, well, I've read the Bible and I don't believe. It's a huge contradiction. It's not a contradiction. It harmonizes. They just don't understand it properly because they're not looking for Jesus. So it's a closed book well, to them. If I if I if you put me in a helicopter and gave me the keys and let's say I figured out how to start it and I go and crash it in a field and I'm going well that that's a worthless piece of equipment doesn't even work <laughs> they're like well you don't know how to fly it <laughs> so and I'm over there in the wreckage of a helicopter going you know what this helicopter is bogus. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I tried it once, and look what happened. Yeah. No way, man. It's the helicopter, not me. <laughs> yeah, I should be able to pick up any helicopter flight stick and fly it anywhere. <laughs> well, if people say that about God's word, I should be able to pick up that Bible and have it revealed. I'm like, why do you think they had people whose whole job it was to tell you what the scriptures mean? I mean, it's so ridiculous. So, you know, this is, you know, the five years I spent in seminary, yes, I was on the special program, but the five years that I spent there, I was just going, no way. They're like, way, and I'm like, no way. They're like, way, you know, because there's, there's so many things where I'm going, well, I went to seminary with some false presuppositions, and their whole job is to go, nope, that's a false presupposition. <laughs> So you're not looking at the Bible, man. I don't know what you're looking at. And I'm sitting there going, <laughs> well, that hurts. <laughs> but you know what? I, I'm very careful about how I read the Bible. And, you know, I'm very thankful for those those professors who did that for me. So you see here looking at him and we find that a misreading of the Bible is why St. Paul is having to do this. People are not reading the Bible right. So he has to tell them. No, look. and we, we touched on this too. That's why we have denominations, right? Because uh, people get it wrong. And the the in the Great Commission, Jesus says, baptize and teach. This teaching is not, hey, let me sit with you for two or three hours and talk. This teaching, uh, I think you eloquently put it in the group the other day on, on the catechism, uh, is a lifelong teaching. And you had broken it down into sections all the way from the beginning of life to the end. Yeah, it's it's the 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 lessons that we have to learn from the greatest teacher in the universe. Guess what? It's a lifetime. It's an eternity. 
he says himself in Isaiah 4 that he will be the one who's teaching. And so he's not going to go, okay, you guys, that's it. We're done. You've learned everything. <laughs> so he's going to be the teacher. And so, you know, and when we have his word here, that's so rich and fulfilling and hope giving. Yeah. And so you need St. Paul needed to point out because, you know, what he believed the opposite himself. He pointed out that, you know, the that the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob is also the God of the Gentiles. So, yeah, we touched on the difference between Jews and Gentiles to show why a, Gen, or a Jew would be triggered at, at a Gentile. And then even Gentiles go, I would advise everybody to go back to, I think it's Acts 11. Is that where the first council of Jerusalem is? Was it Acts 11? I think so. I, th I, had I my... think it is. So if you go to Acts 11 and, and you look at the first council, James actually drafts some rules for the Gentiles in order not to make the Jews stumble. And I'm only bringing that up because it goes with our context here, Romans 14 and kind of leading into 15 here. So Okay. Yeah, that was... Um, uh, the, that was when, yeah, Peter came to Jerusalem. Yes, that was Acts 11. And so, yeah, we have this... We have this... Um, we got to be careful not to have this idea... That, um, you know, you can just sit there, open the Bible and have it say exactly because you don't know what kind of damage you have. And so, I mean, you know you're damaged, but you don't know what kind of damage you have. So until we have this clear and consistent witness of the scriptures, regardless of your personal biases, then you're just going to, the Bible's just going to be this weird bizarre rule book with stories that you don't get but you it says here do this do that so basically it's, it's a law yes but with law we'll, we'll always give gospel jesus says and this is this is something we can't do apart from the spirit but seek him when you seek him you shall find him when you seek him with all your heart so when you're really looking for jesus in the scriptures he will reveal himself mm -hmm. through his word so well for sure. Now he even says, starting in Romans 15, I lost my spot here, there it is, that um, after that grouping there that he calls Paul, the title is Paul is the minister to the Gentiles. And he even says, you know what, I'm going to people that haven't, the other guys haven't gone. Out. I'm not, I don't want anybody to say that Paul only did this because Peter did this. He is bringing the same gospel to a different group of people. And wouldn't you know it, the same amazing thing happened without, you know, it's not saying, oh, he was just, you know, cohorting with the others. But the truth of the matter is, is he went to people that they hadn't seen, spread the gospel even further. And he's like, I'm going to Spain. And I'm like, dang, all right. So, you know, and we all, we all know that the Christian church in Spain became very important and so, and they can say, yeah, Paul, Paul was here. So, yeah, you gotta, he, he says in verses 14 through 21, um, verse 21, but as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. And so 
he's still pushing forward. Um, in verse 21, uh, here it is. It's cited from Isaiah 52, 15. So that's, that's outstanding. Once again, he's saying, I'm a minister of the Gentiles. Why? Because God wants Gentiles. Yeah, and you know what, um, since we're on the topic again, and if it's in, I think it's Acts, where where Paul is arrested for the last time, and this is his final arrest for execution, because he appeals to Caesar, right? Mm -hmm. um, these Jews actually did it because he preached the gospel to the Gentiles. They were receptive of the gospel, the Jews were, until he, they found out, hey, this is going to the Gentiles too. Then they're like, oh no, kill this man. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> it's nuts, isn't it? Oh, that is just crazy. I, I, know, I don't know about you, but I don't look around in church Sunday morning and be like, God, this person, this person, this person should not be here. What were you thinking? Uh, no, you know? If we ever see those people, we should say, man, those people really need to be here. And I really need to be here because I've become kind of a Pharisee. Yeah, it's it's nice to look around church though and know that you all have the same unified confession of guilty when you walk in the door, right? Right. But um, unfortunately, these Jews, their pride was more than their faith. They. Eh? Well, that's a uh, well. That's kind of the 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 hard truth there. And let's see here. Okay, so. You know, really, he just sort of sums it up. This is why I'm going to the Gentiles. He quotes the Bible. God wants him here. But then the last section, uh, 22 to 32, his plan is to go to Rome. Um, and he says, uh, and he says, this is the reason why I've so often been hindered from coming to you. But now since I no longer have any room for work in these regions and since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain and to be helped on my journey there by you once I have enjoyed your company for a while. And um, you notice interestingly he says that um, it becomes important that the Gentiles start helping support the church and and, and i'm i mean financially um they start to say you know what they receive every blessing that the jews receive they also need to start carrying the load and that's a-okay that's, yep, -okay. Right that's totally okay to say that you know what being a member of the christian church and we talked about it in our voters meeting today being a member of the Christian church isn't giving donations to a charitable organization. It is supporting the it is supporting the ministry that you swore to uphold at your confirmation vows. So this is I, I like to think of it in terms as I break it into kind of two things in my mind. Family and you know, sacrifice, right? So we call it sacrificial tithes and offerings, right? Even though a tithe is Old Testament law, it still reveals a good number, like what God expected, you know, in the Old Covenant. But the, the, the New Covenant rule and norm is that God loves a cheerful giver. But yes, I mean, where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also, right? So, uh, and I'm quoting Jesus there. 
our treasure's not on earth, it's it's with the gospel, so everybody's got to pony up. Well, and it's true, because that's how the ministry happens. I don't care if anyone listening to this hears me and says, oh, he's a legalist, this and that. It's just the way it goes. You, you, you provide for your own family. I mean, the first three commandments are there, you know, so you also have to provide for the gospel's sake. Your pastor needs to eat. Yep. You know, there's people in your church that need things, you know, and, and if you have them, again, the thing is if you have them, I'm not going to beat you over the head if you're extremely poor and you're the one in need. But you, we're supposed to share all good things, you know, with those who teach all, all good things. So Yeah. and it's, it's, not like, it's not like my pastor, you know, is a church. Either of them are at church every Sunday, um, you know, donating all this extra time they have. It's a full-time job and plus, you know, mm -hmm. so... It's the duty of the church to make sure that, that this stuff is paid for, to make sure that any brothers or sisters are paid for. I mean, because you've been paid for by the blood of God. Yep. So, I mean, we're we're kind of going back up to the beginning verse, follow, following the examples of God. So, you know, if you're not giving, start. Start something low. Start something manageable. And just move it up from there. Do what you can do, you know. Totally okay. You know, there's a, and people get really skirmish, squeamish about this, but it, seriously, if you can't talk about, um, you know, when they say, well, God will provide, you're right. He provided all of us with the Holy Spirit and he gathered us here together. That's how he provides. He doesn't drop cash out of the sky. He doesn't, there's not golden plates we're waiting for. We're talking about, well, yeah, of course he'll provide for us. It's, it's by us that he's called us here so um so yeah i mean i'm not gonna go off on too much of a rant on that but suffice to well, say let me let me ask one question to the listeners you know if you're willing to pay x amount for a vacation or a movie or whatever how much are you willing to pay to listen to the gospel from you know someone who's actually having to pay to teach you you know they have college debt and or debt from seminary and college and all this you know and then again we also have the saints who are in need you know yeah. what are you going to do for those who are um suffering and and can't provide like like paul says in ephesians let the thief no longer steal but let him do honest labor with his own hands that he might have something to share right i would say how much are you willing to pay so that this gospel that rescued you would be continued on to your neighbor? Yeah, amen. That's How much a is way that worth? It. You know, and so if you know, if I died right now, I don't want to, but if I did, I would be fine. But I would pray that the message of the gospel would continue on to those people who just plain don't know who Jesus is. Yeah, and you know, I'm one of those free workers, and, and that takes a toll, but um, it's it's one of those things that I, I do it for free. I take a call where there is no call to the streets, and um, because obviously we, we confess the Book of Concord, a right call and ordination, right? So yeah. for ecclesiastical order, for a teacher in the church, but I'm not teaching in the church, I'm teaching outside the church, and I'm trying to give this gospel to as many as I can and turn these people over to my pastor. 
Well, yeah, like Luke uh, and Mark, there's such a thing as evangelists. Yeah, and and my pastor said use the word ministry, and I said, dude, we hate the word ministry and, and vision and all these <laughs> words have been ruined. <laughs> I was like, don't make me carry that title. No. Um, so in and how about this? I mean, it, it just kind of clicks on. I'm pretty sure you're reading this, but he says to piggyback on what Zach was saying I appeal to you brothers by the our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company may the God of peace be with you all amen so he is saying here straight up, you know, uh, strive together, be work, you know, as together as a church, as an ecclesia, to in prayers to God on His behalf. That why should he be delivered so that he can retire in Macedonia? No, so that he can continue to preach the gospel until the the Romans take his head in the Colosseum. So he's saying, I'm praying. Pray for me that I can continue as long as possible sharing the gospel. And yes, right before this, he says, and there's some cash involved that's needed to continue this ministry. And so he's saying, pray that this continues so that he can continue in the mission and ministry of the gospel that we're in together in different ways. It should be noted, too, that Paul's not any form of hypocrite here, that he labored with his own hands. He makes the point over and over again to preach the gospel. He only took money from uh, the Philippians yeah. to, I think, assist with Corinth. You know, And he says he robbed other congregations. Now, he didn't literally rob them. They gave willingly. But he's saying, I took their money and gave it to you so I could bring you the gospel free of charge. And, and Paul you know, did his own work throughout the day with his hands, and because most people slept during the day, right, in a lot of these pagan places. Yeah. And then uh, he would preach the gospel when everybody would come out at night. So it's not like Paul is at all a hypocrite when he says, I need some money, guys. Yeah. Well, there's nothing, again, there's nothing wrong with supporting the ministry of... Uh... Of Jesus Christ in that way uh, let's see here mm, well you know what that actually ends up the chapter did you say there was a, a question in the group that we wanted to talk yeah, about? yeah there was a question on how should we take uh, Jesus's text and Luke there maybe if you want to read that it kind of segues exactly what we're talking about too so okay let's see was it Luke what um Oh, we're so prepared. This is why we're Bush League, by the way, and we don't pretend to not be, because uh, we were talking about it here, and we had the Bible verses, and then I get to clicking around on my electronic Bible, and next thing you know, we're going, um... <laughs> Bush League learns the internet. Bush League learns here. the internet. It's definitely... Oh. A... Okay, I got the question Luke here. Luke 12.33. Yes, how literally should we take this? Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourself that you will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will never fail. 
where no thief comes in, no thief comes nor near, and no moth destroys. Luke twelve thirty three. Yep. Well, here's the deal. Um, we're in a whole section, and somebody jumped to the end of it. <laughs> and first of all, there's people that are worrying. Uh, they're worrying big time. Everything is a worry. We're worrying about this. And so what does Jesus say? And he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do this as a small thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Then he goes on into the lilies and everything, and he says, verse 32, Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So he's telling them, look, there's a bunch of weird stuff going on and life is hard and you're worried because major things are happening right now. And so he tells them the kingdom is theirs. Nothing you can do will buy the kingdom. Nothing you can do is going to earn the kingdom. Jesus is giving this to you. And so next to that, if your possessions are what's keeping you, sell them and give it to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fall, fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For Then he ends with this. Dun, dun, dun. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So let's stop oh, making this our stewardship thing. And Jesus is saying, look, if you love these things more than anything else, get rid of them because they're a problem. But and so they're worried and he's trying to bring peace to people. And you notice how people taking this out of context are doing nothing but bringing unrest to people. Isn't that just the opposite of what Jesus well, is doing? Yeah, that's the point I wanted to make is, is never, never, ever is it a good idea to post like a single text. I do, but I expect people to go back and look it up in context. Right. Just because the internet works that way. It's hard to post a whole bunch of stuff, you know. So it's like, here, go look here. But... Never post a single text. It's always about the context. So yeah, like you were saying in this context, you know, we're it's there's actually a lot of gospel here. There's a lot of gospel, and they're taking it and going, um, law. <laughs> well, well, and that's the problem is it's your father's goodwill to give you the kingdom of heaven, and then it's kind of almost as if they add this, if you do this in here when the if doesn't exist. Jesus is saying, these things are what prevents you, you know? Yeah. It's because of your sinful nature and the love of money, idolatry, coveting, these keep you. Right. So, and we all know that uh, money, I mean, it's in our confessions that mammon, money, is a huge part. It's in the parable of the sower of people falling away. Well, because money buys po all kinds of things. Money will buy you friends, power, mm -hmm. uh, love, 
false love, I would say, but false love. Uh, all these things that the, that the world uh, craves. Yeah, but money, it's always the old Adam that makes, reaches why money is no good. Because money in of itself bought medicine for my son who was sick and diapers and things like that. Um, and so imagine this, if you want to make a big deal out of this, what if your treasure is uh, in the ministry of the church? Well, then he's saying, well, your heart will be there also. But if your treasure is just in your clothes, your super cool car, you're keeping your hot fly girlfriend in, in diamonds, whatever. Okay, that's the problem. But remember, the money isn't really the problem. It's your idolatry is the problem. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, Well, and, and that's what I wanted to say, too, is, is Jesus is not saying go sell all you have. If, you, if I was to sell all I have, I would sell the house right out from under my family who's got who God has given me to shepherd over, yeah. right? So uh, that's not what the text is saying. It's saying don't make idols of these things. Don't covet these things. But instead, you know, where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. So whatever extra I can, uh, pay alms, you know, on top of your tithes, these kinds of things. Yeah. Because my, my treasure is in the gospel. You know, my heart, that's... That's where my treasure is. So I, I like to buy books when I can. Um, and I, I buy the theology used because since it's not my primary vocation, you know, I have to get a little bit crummy over a book, but I get the same words you guys do at a cheaper price. So mm -hmm. um, my primary vocation is to buy tools, you know, and, and it's, Jesus is not saying, go give all your tools away. That's how I, that's how I pay alms. And, and uh, ties to the church is by working with my tools and providing mm -hmm. that service. So don't go read that as, as get rid of everything. Read that as in the context of where your treasure is. Well, there's definitely, there's definitely a cult no. mentality. It's a cult mentality, seriously, when you're like, hey, sell everything and, and uh, be part of this cult. You know, I mean, they're Hare Krishnas in the 60s and 70s and, you know, all that kind of thing. So, you know, that and they'll base it on something like that or these flying saucer cults or somebody ends up getting rich and then they all end up dead in a basement. So, no. Yeah, um, don't drink the Kool-Aid. Seriously, don't drink the Kool-Aid. Um, so pretty much that's what you want to know. I think that's really what we should know about that. And we are 54 minutes into the the longest 30 minutes on the internet. <laughs> Bush, Bush League runs over. Bush League is like our cup runneth over. <laughs> you know, if you're going to pluck a text... Pluck the one that said it's, it's your father's good will to give you the kingdom of heaven. I like that better. Yeah, I agree. Well, that's pretty much all the time we got for this week. Uh, it was a good one. Um, the, uh, for, keep, keep, you know, if you've got suggestions, come in the group. We love to answer your questions. Next week, we're finishing out Romans, and then we'll move on to our new study. So subscribe to our podcast at... Uh, no drama lutherans.podbean.com and 
And this is Pastor Hoffman for Zach Lesher saying see you next time. <laughs>